Testing, we are trying to find out if this thing works. Hello, I'm Shannon Christensen, and welcome to the Max and Pat Hatterley Family History Podcast. Just for the listeners' information, this episode was recorded in two separate halves, and you may notice a change there midway through the podcast. All right, let's go ahead and get started. So during the week, I thought, I mean, it came to my memory of a little story that happened, and I do not exactly remember our ages but we were not big we were certainly in grade school because and when i say we i am talking about my cousin kendall jenkins and i and we were in freedom we meaning i was at kendall's place i do not know if we were living in freedom at the time or if i was staying with him sometimes we would uh usually uncle lloyd and i would go stay with him for a few days or something and so i just can't remember the the details surrounding how all this happened but here's the story somehow we got a hold of about a 1950 or 51 Chev car, Chevrolet car. It was basically a piece of junk. Uh, so if it was basically a piece of junk, it had to have been probably mid fifties, which would have put maybe late fifties, which would have put us at eight to 10 years old or something. Anyway, back in those days, the cars, they actually still do write or have on the back fender or the trunk or something certain little teeny pieces of information about the car. Some cars now have V8 written on them or uh, good night. I'm not into cars anymore. I can't even remember some of the things that are on them, but flex fuel is something that's on a lot of cars. Okay. Well, this car because Chevrolet had introduced an automatic transmission. Not a common thing in cars in those days. They had introduced an automatic transmission, which they called Power Glide. It was a two-speed automatic transmission. They kept it clear till the late 50s, uh, maybe longer than that, so it must have worked all right. But Kendall and I dubbed it Plat Power Slide. So from there on, we always called it Power Slide. And I don't know how in this wide world we did this, but out in their backyard, in their farmyard, somehow we decided to and accomplished removing the body of this vehicle from the frame engine compartment. I have no idea how we did that because the man in our later years on the farm, we had these big lowers. We could have done it pretty easily, actually. But I don't know if they had a loader at all. Uncle Evan had a loader later on, his WD 
uh, Alice Chalmers tractor, but it certainly wouldn't have lifted a car body. I, I don't know how we did it, but we took the body off from power slide and just moved it out of the way and got it out of the way. Now we have a frame with four tires and an engine, but we had no place to sit. So we went over to power slides body, took out the front seat, took it over, strapped it with twine or a piece of baling wire or something across the frame of this yeah, frame of the vehicle. The steering wheel, of course, is still there. Steering wheel, the gear shift, everything was still there. Now we had a seat we could sit on. And then we somehow rigged a piece of wire to the throttle on the engine, and the engine still worked. So we started the engine, which obviously we had to somehow MacGyver that because the starting button was on the inside of the body. The body wasn't there anymore. Anyway, we rigged all this thing, all this baloney up, and we started the engine. We had the throttle, meaning a piece of wire in one hand and the steering wheel on the other hand. Keep in mind, we're 8 to 12 or 8 to 10-year-old kids out here. And we got on this thing, and by garbage, it was pretty fun. We roared around the, the farmyard on a, and of course, without the body on there, it was like a sports car. I mean, oh my word, it had power. I mean, it You'd pull on that throttle and then it'd just sink you back into the seats because it didn't have any weight. It was the weight was off. Just a frame and four tires and an engine. So it was like I had five hundred horsepower engine and it oh it just spin the wheels and it was just the most unbelievable, wonderful, dangerous experience you can possibly imagine. And both of us Look through it to tell them about it. No seat belts, no way to even stay on. You had to hang on to the seat just to stay on it, much less it was moving or sliding around doing cookies like crazy. But interestingly enough, I always loved, I still do. To watch the suspension system on a car work so as you're going down or any kind of a vehicle so as you're driving along and the tire hits a bump the suspension system that's the tire bend and I mean move and there it was all four wheels right in front of us and it was really intriguing to me and I remember for the next five to eight years or something all the way through high school, trying to design in my mind some kind of a small cart like a go-kart. Only I wanted to have a suspension system. Go-karts don't have a suspension system. Because I wanted to see the tires move. And years later in 1964 when my dad bought that beautiful brand new Mercury car and by this time I'm in high school 
certainly can't say I was much more mature. I owe my word, but maybe a little bit in a tight way or two. I would occasionally take that car, I did it just once or twice, down to the place where the Mercury dealership, which was Ma Motor, and they had a particular road out somewhere, I can't remember where it was now, but it was horrible. And it was a, and it, it wasn't used for anything anymore. But they used it for a, um, a test road to test for rattles in the car. Somebody brought a car and oh, I've got this rattle in it. It's driving me nuts. They would go out on this road because it just had horrible pothole type stuff or concrete ledges that the tires would bounce over. You had to travel over pretty slow. But I loved it because I could go out. I did this several times, even in this brand new car. Oh, especially in this brand new car, because it just rode like a dream and it was beautiful. And I would drive down this road about five miles an hour, just slow as cold tar with the door open and my head sticking, my whole body sticking clear out the door so I could see the driver's side. Of course, I couldn't see the other side. Front and mostly the rear wheel as it would bounce up over this pothole and that I just loved it. I loved watching the suspension system. Interestingly, to this day, I still watch tires. I'll, I'll stop at a intersection, hit road, hit road where it intersects with uh, 17th Street. I can tell you the exact formation of the kind of a, what am I trying to say? Kind of a, um, Anyway, the bump pattern as the cars going down hit road go through that intersection. I've got memorized exactly how the that is because I'm watching the suspension. I sit and watch cars, one car after another. Do it still intrigues me. Kind of the texture of the road moving mm -hmm. up and down. <laughs> I have a, a lot of really weird things in life that really intrigued me but nobody had a clue about it or say anything about it and never did build the go-kart because it cost money and i didn't have any money until i got into high school then i had a little bit of money but i, I don't know paper route time i think i've already talked about paper routes haven't i, I got a you said that you had one yeah, Herald Journal. We were talking about talking about paper routes now, right? Okay, so I had the afternoon paper out the Herald Journal. This was mid junior high, I think, or something. Had it for a little while. Didn't like it. Didn't like it because I came home from school and immediately had to go deliver newspapers. Like a job. It was a job. And so sometime after that, I went up to the local Salt Lake Tribune office. We had three newspapers in the Valley, the Salt Lake Tribune, the Desert News, 
and the Herald Journal. The Herald Journal was local. The other two were Salt Lake papers, but the Desert News and Herald Journal were both afternoon papers. So I didn't want the Desert News, so I went to the Salt Lake Tribune, who many years later I discovered or kind of learned that the Salt Lake Tribune was a major competitor to the Desert News. The Desert News was owned by some kind of a church holding company. Obviously, the Salt Lake Tribune was not, and I, I'm not going to make any judgment calls to it now, but I guess they were the other side of the, not a, not a good newspaper, I guess, I don't know. No, they're a good newspaper. Are they? Oh, yeah. They're well, great. They um, sometimes take a different perspective. Well, whatever. Anyway, I didn't know or care less about any of it. All I cared about was that it was in the morning. So I went up and talked to the guy. His name was Solon Atkinson. Is that who it was? Most of us referred to him as Saloon. Not in front of his face, of course. It was behind his back. But in front of his face, everybody called him Saul. Cool guy. Very cool guy. And for the next quite a few years, I had a newspaper route with the Salt Lake Tribune. Varying different routes. Um, and I think, just to back up for the Salt Lake Tribune, the Herald Journal route I think I had, if I'm remembering it right, was down west of where we lived, including including Three Point Avenue area, which is now all completely changed. And we went down to Three Point Avenue the other day. For crying out loud, we couldn't even find it. A church or a stake center or something. It was kind of a, if, if you want to talk about slightly older or maybe I'm going to use the word rundown, I, I don't know, that's not really right, but area of town, that was kind of it. It was also the area where the fed the Woodruff School, grade school that I did. And I, the only thing I can really ever remember about the Three Point Avenue and my newspaper experience there was that the my family who i later found out were very wonderful gladly sane people by the name of good soul but i did not know any of that all i knew was that vaughn and vernon good soul two twins who were in this family vaughn and vernon yes <laughs> and they both had polio and as is the case with human beings, anybody that's different or has a problem gets treated poorly by their friends. So we all, I'm just going to use this word, which by the true meaning of it is not true here, hated Vaughn and Vermont Gensel. They reacted like any kid would. They fought back emotionally and almost physically sometimes. They were mean kids, I thought. 
most of us were scared to death of them. And now I'm delivering newspapers. I'm pretty sure I went to the Goodsell House. I think they were one of my clients, and I'm on my bicycle. That's how we just got around, and I was real scared to go past the Goodsell House. I'm pretty sure they became wonderful kids. They had kind of braces on them. And, I mean, they were they were functional people, but I look back on a lot of those experiences now and feel really bad. I always feel bad. The kids have to be kids, and we all have to grow up from kids. We can't be born 20 years old. Anyway, back to Saul Atkinson. I had a newspaper route several different routes for two or three years and so about junior in high school or high school sophomore junior and senior so the sophomores were the piddly squeakers and somewhere in there i know i had a route during my sophomore year because that was when i had mr homestead that i've already talked about as my homeroom teacher and I came to school and fell asleep almost instantly in that class because I was so tired. But somewhere in there, I gave it up because it was um, making me tired and pretty much eliminating my life. So the Desert, or I mean, the Herald Journal was irritating my life in the afternoon when I had it because I had to go deliver papers. The Solid Tribune eliminated my life because the second I got out of school, which let out at five after three or five to three or something, this is high school now, I went home every single day. I didn't stop and associate with people. I just went home because I was so tired. I'm going to veer off the paper out thing for another for a minute because I just thought of another little story <laughs> so when I got up and <clears throat> I was kind of antisocial back in those days for reasons I was this little guy I wasn't a big guy because my heart problems whatever anyway I was had all this uh, what's the emotional word or all this uh, something, some kind of a problem with myself. What's what's the word? Contempt, uh, anger, anxiety, frustration. Anxiety sounds pretty close, but it's not the exact word I'm looking for. But anyway, insecurity. Oh yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Insecurities. I thought I was a nobody and didn't dare be seen. I'm scared of my own shadow. And so because of all of these reasons, I was a loner. I've kind of been one ever since, which is pretty funny because I have a pretty good time around people. At least they tell me I do. Anyway, so the truck came in from Salt Lake, carrying the Salt Lake Tribune at about 3 o'clock. Yeah. A.M. And so when I found out when the truck came in, that's where, when I was there. So I got up at three o'clock most of the way through high school. And I was alone 
at the newspaper office most of the time. Saul, of course, was there. Actually, Saul wasn't there all the time. I beat him there quite a few times. But I didn't have to make small talk and listen to everybody else, all these other boys' stories that I didn't want to be around. So I would go in there, and I mean, you had to fold up your papers and put the elastics on. I mean, you were, it was a project. Delivering newspapers, and I wanted to do that without 25 people being in the room. Which, of course, when the Herald Journal situation, when you went there, everybody was there. I mean, it was a packed house. And that was one of the reasons I didn't like it. So the Salt Lake Tribune was wonderful because I went in there early, and most of the time I had my whole project done into my bags on the bicycle and away before anybody else showed up. And I had Saul to myself. We became pretty good friends. Back to the other story now for a second. Uncle Lloyd, who he and I, interestingly, did not have exactly the most loving relationship as we were growing up to begin with. Uh, it kind of changed in high school a little bit. Um, sort of did, sort of didn't. But he was an amazing academician, and I was anything but. I got mostly B's, B pluses in high school because I mostly was just goofing off. He was a straight A boy, and I mean, he was a scientific mind, and he was a student, a real student. He also had his little problems. By this time, the boarders were gone, okay? So we were now upstairs. His room was down the hall to the left, not the far, what's that? West, not the far west room, but what? people that built the house this upstairs room was an apartment i guess you guys all know that so he was in the front room that was a bedroom down there the far east room was the kitchen and the room right next to it i guess was another bedroom that was my room the front room was his bedroom he would set the alarm clock for 2 30 or 3 o'clock in the morning all the time to get up and start studying again, especially when he had a project due or a test coming up that day or something. I'll tell you, he was one diligent fellow. He also had a major problem. He knew how to have an alarm clock go off and go right back to sleep. And that alarm clock was just, just, what do alarm clocks do? They just really annoying, loud, piercing, irritating for an hour. I can't even tell you how many times as I got up, finally, I wasn't quite ready to get up yet, but getting close to go into his room and shut that worthless alarm clock off. I just wanted to take a hammer wasn't sure whether it was to the clock or to him. But anyway, that was a funny little experience. By the way, it did its job. He was a top student 
And while I'm just thinking about that, I've got to tell you that as a senior, <clears throat> his friends were absolutely the top kids in the school. I mean, I can still remember Fred Thompson and, and who was that doctor's son uh, you and I were talking about the other day, Maloof, uh, Ray Maloof, uh, the doctor's son, and several others I can't remember of now that were his best friends, and they were just fabulous kids. I mean, Fred Thompson was the student body president when we were senior, when he was a senior, I was a junior. But any friend of Lloyd's was a friend of mine. So suddenly I was associating and talking with all the elites in the school. And I thought it was just unbelievable. I, I just couldn't even believe it because I thought I was the most worthless piece of crap on the planet. And I just couldn't believe that Fred Thompson, especially Fred, and Ray Maloof and all these other guys, they were just, they were just fabulous kids. Would see me in the hall and pretend. I don't think they were pretending, but come up and act like you were their very best friend and just treated you. They were, I'm, I know they were all absolutely solid, active Latter-day Saint boys, and they just acted like it all the time. Ray, or Fred Thompson, student body president, he was the King Kong of the high school, acted like he was a servant of everybody. I just, Okay, so I was going to tell you a little bit about high school, early high school. Uh, for me, I went to Skyview High, which was in Smithfield. Um, River Heights was part of the county schools. So we went to the county high school, which was in Skyview. It was fairly new, it was about five years old. Skyview was quite new. It was, we were bitter rivals to Logan High, which is where dad went to school. Bitter, bitter, bitter rivals. I'll tell a story about that. And uh, it's so interesting to me that Uncle Lloyd, dad, and Brian all married Skyview girls. So anyway. So um, when I was, I think it was like 50 and thereabouts, I started high school. I had extremely short hair, very, very short hair. How short? Um, really, really short. Like two, three, four. Yeah, two, maybe two inches. Two inches. Two, yeah, it was, it was really short. Maybe, maybe a little longer on top, but I had like these little sideburn kind of things. That was cool. And so I had very short hair. Um, 
I, that first year, about six months in, I ended up with a boyfriend from Smithfield. His name was Lynn Hill. Um, and I, he, he was a really good LDS boy. He was a really nice boy. And I went to the, in the spring, we went to the prom with him. Nobody ever said much about being 16 dating in those days. Although you actually were 16, right? No. Oh, I no. Wasn't, I wasn't at this meeting. Uh, that wasn't something that was, you know, like drilled into you as it is now. It's like more a judgment call, I guess. Yeah. Between I, parents and I child. don't know if they, yeah, if they, the church members ever said anything at that time. So, um, anyway, yeah, it was kind of your own family's opinion. And so I went to the school dances. I had a prom dress that was a light yellow with white lace over it. It was beautiful. It's very pretty. And I kind of steady dated that boy for probably nine months. Um, and then I decided I wanted to move on. So I did. Where did I meet this boy? And I, I don't remember. I know he had a group of friends that I was friends with, but I don't remember if it was a class. Uh, it wasn't like orchestra because he was a band guy. Um, but there was, he just had a group of friends. Somehow we were got together. I can't remember how, but um, the breakup I remember was right before Christmas. And I just, I just told him, I thought we should date other people, you know, and he, he was quite sad and it was all traumatic and you know how it goes. It's just awful. But, um, anyway, and your dress. my dress, there was a really cute dress place in Logan on main street. I can't remember the name of it, but I got a lot of my clothes in that store. And my mom had what they call a layaway plan. So you can you could pick out clothes and then you they'd keep them for you and you'd go in and pay on a little bit and then you'd get them out as soon as they're paid for. So that's I remember that's kind of how I got some of my school clothes and probably the prom dress as well. So Do you know what style of the prom dress would have like what it would have looked like? It was Empire Waste. Um and like I said, white yellow with the white lace kind of overlay on it. So it was awesome. We did not, on our prom dates, we just went to the dance. We didn't do the all day dating deal. They didn't ask us in an exciting way. They just called you on the phone or met you in person and said, Would you like to go to the dance? That's all there was to it. It was pretty simple. So. Anyway, one of the other questions that you ask is what my, I learned from my parents. And so I was thinking about that. My parents, and they never said anything about this, but they were absolutely honest. Just honest as the day is long. And I just knew that that's what I would, that's what I would just do. And when we never, we didn't have home meetings about it or discuss it or anything. This is just what you did. You were just very honest. And I remember my mom saying, and my mom worked for 
her sister and brother-in-law who had an island market grocery store. She worked six days a week, Monday through Saturday. Um, and I remember her telling me one day, she said, when I handle that money at the store, it does not feel like my money. It feels like play money. But when I get my check cash, that feels like real money to me. So she, they were just both, you just were honest in that. There was no question about it. So, and I remember an experience, and this, I'm sure this, I'm, I was a teenager when it happened. My mom said she worked at her sister and brother-in-law's grocery store, and there was a, another employee named Artel. My mom was good friends with Artel. He's Artel, man. I oh, it's, a, it's a lady. And she was really good friends with her, and Artel would give her really nice Christmas gifts. And anyway, um, my mom came home from work one day, very upset. I could see she was upset. And she, you know, I said, what, what's, what's the matter, mom? And she said, I saw Artel take a pair of nylons and put it in her purse. And um, previous to this, my uncle and aunt could not get their books to balance. And they were, they were very meticulous people. And they just could not seem to get their books to balance. And this had gone on for quite a while. Anyway, my mom saw Artel put the Niles in her purse. And she kept thinking, well, she'll come and tell me and pay for them. And she didn't. And so my mother came home quite upset and told me this was going on. And I said, Mom, you've got, you've got to tell Aunt Thelma what's going on. So she called her on the phone. And said, this is what I saw. Maybe there's some other explanation, but this is what I saw. So my aunt confronted Artel, and uh, she tried to lie her way out of it, but my aunt was having none of it and fired her on the spot. And um, come to find out, she had been dipping in the till for quite a long time. And all the nice presents mom got for Christmas were probably shoplifted and taken. But it was it was a really hard thing. Mom really liked that lady. But there again, you gotta be honest. You know, she had to do it. So I remember her being so upset about having to turn this friend in, basically. So at that time, um Money, I, I talked about babysitting, I babysat, but my folks also gave me an allowance. Um, my mom worked six days a week, so I would clean the house on Saturday. That was my job, and they would give me an allowance. They'd give me enough money for lunch money, and then they'd give me some spending money. So one of the favorite things we loved to do when we got slightly older and somebody could drive, we'd go down to the drive-in and get fries and a drink. This was like the most wonderful thing. Just, you know, just really fun. I don't remember ever affording a hamburger, but we could handle money for drinks and fries or just a drink. And of course we drag Maine a little bit too. So what does that mean? That means you were in a car with a group of girls and there was 
cars with a group of guys and you drive up and down Main Street and kind of eye each other and wave and be silly and <laughs> perhaps there would be a parked place where you'd park and meet them or whatever, which is pretty brazen. But um, anyway, had a few experiences with that. Weren't always good. But um, why didn't you tell us? No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we want to hear. Uh, I had this friend who, she was a little, she wasn't my familiar grade school friends. She was a little more worldly than perhaps my other friends were, and she had a driver's license anyway. We went and dragged Maine and kind of. What was her name? Shelly. So Shelly would drive. Shelly would drive. And we met these two guys and so we parked, we parked, talked, visited. Um, they went to the drive-in, which was in, you know, the north part of Logan. And we all kind of sneaked in in that car into the drive-in. And I was just petrified. Okay, you're talking about the drive-in movie? The drive-in movie, yeah. Okay drove our car in there. Anyway, we finally, I was just terrified. Finally, we they took us back to our car and we left, but I swore I'd never do that again. That was just very scary stuff. You were scared because you didn't know these boys or because right. they snuck into the drive? No, because, well, both. I was afraid. First of all, I didn't know these boys. But, and my rather outgoing friend seemed to think it was okay. And and then here they pull us in the drive-in and sneak us in without paying. And I just, anyway, I didn't do you that You paid again. per person. Sometimes you could pay a car. Right. There was dollar night. Where dollar nights, yeah. You could fill your car up with and pay for a dollar. You know, I'll be in the movie. You could fit a lot of people in a car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you could. So, um Oh, I was also in junior high. I always did orchestra, always. That was just part of my, what I did. But I also was in, in my junior year, I was at a pep club. And we had uniforms and we did hand routines to cheers at ball games. And I, it was just really fun. My friend Bonnie was in it with me. And we just had a really good time going to the ball games, doing all these little hand routines and sharing our heads off. And I just loved it. What were your uniforms like? Uh, they were dresses, of course, and they were kind of a royal blue. And then we had a white collar that would go on to change. And we had white gloves. So when we did our routines, we'd bring our white gloves up and you could see us do our routines with our hands. Do you remember any of those routines or movements? Uh, stop, look, and listen. We are the mighty Bobcats. That was one. Um, I remember another one. Oh, come here. Something about um, Waddle Yacho Waddle. Doodly do. Yeah. Waddle Yacho. Waddle Yacho. Doodly do. Doodly do. <laughs> the 
beyond that, I don't remember. Oh, I know that because I didn't know she existed. <laughs> anyway, this same friend, Shelly, when she got her driver's license, sometimes she would drive me to school, which honestly, that was such a godsend. I just loved it because the, the bus was hard. It was a long ride and you're stopping. And so once in a while, she'd invite me to go with her. So that was really fun. Because River Heights to Smithfield is like, what, 20 minutes, half an hour? hour? Yeah, it's quite a ways. I often did my homework on the bus, scrambled to get it done for the day, which was hard with a bus, but I did it. So when, when did you decide, how did you decide to let your hair grow? Well, the fashion of the day was really, really long or really, really short. And so I, I tried the short thing and I didn't particularly like it. So my, uh, I think in my junior year, I started growing it out, you know? And so by the time I was a senior, it was like shoulder length. And then by the time I graduated, it was clear on my back. So, and I kept it long for a long time. So, um, any glasses when you think it contacts? When I was a senior, I, yeah, I got contacts. And I, um, I remember ta I was telling you about the Northern Wasatch Youth Symphony that when I was a senior, I went, we went and did that. And while I was there, while you were there, while I was in Mexico on this tour, I met this Logan High School young man, and he was, uh, I thought he was interesting, I don't know why. Anyway, we kind of hooked up with each other, so I started dating him. And you that, became familiar with each other? Yes, and we'd go out on dates and you know, whatever. And, so I was dating him still when I started college. And he was actually older than I was, but he was a year younger. And so he was a senior in high school and I was a freshman in college. And I determined, I, I, I don't wanna just date this guy, I wanna date college guys too. So, I, so we determined mutually that we could date other people. But by Christmas, he asked me to marry him. And, and I, he was still in high school? Yeah, he, but he was older than I was. I mean, yeah. And I just I just said, I think we're I think we're too young. We need to wait. We think we're too young. Hello, I'm Shannon Christensen, and we're back with my parents here on the second half of episode seven. Well, let's see in my house by high school days, uh, the borders were now gone. So uncle Lloyd was living in the one room upstairs. I was living in another one. Uncle Brian was living in the kitchen upstairs. That was, one of the rooms. I don't have a clue where Uncle Owen was. No, he wasn't. Uh -uh. I didn't. I, 
well, I don't know. It wasn't in the final analysis. Maybe he was originally. I don't know. Anyway, <clears throat> high school was fun enough. I was not actually much of a schoolboy. I tolerated it. And uh, my general B average through high school pretty much gave indication of my toleration of it. Are you saying you think you could have done better? Oh, I could have definitely done better. I was coasting along. I Am I supposed to tell real stories here? I think you already have. You well, yeah, but I mean, there's a couple of really incriminating stories. Well, I don't know. I, I, I had a when I was a junior. I had an English class. Her name was Miss Kersley, Raveau Kersley, fairly young, very good teacher. But I was a typical boy who was trying at least somewhat occasionally to see what I could get away with because that's I guess what we boys do the girls do that too oh they do okay Shannon shaking her head anyway and English was a good class I liked English um, I liked back in those days we read we had literature and we had grammar we did in our high school and in grade school too, junior high. But anyway, I, I remember this particular class because we had to read a certain amount of books per year. I don't know, probably two or three per quarter. Does that sound about right? Anyway, and so there's two semesters for two quarters per semester and with each book, we had to go up to the teacher's desk and give an oral book report, which I figured out how to do. So somehow I masterfully read the first chapter and the last chapter and a chapter in between and went up and did a fairly masterful job of giving a book report and got not great grades, but I got I averaged B's. That's what I averaged in high school, with a couple of very notable exceptions, which I guess I just as well tell them too, as long as I'm digging my hole. Anyway, so Miss Kersley was medium impressed with me as a B. Anyway, I did a pretty good job of figuring out books that I hadn't read. Interestingly, now I get a book and no matter how much I don't like it, I keep reading because I am think I'm supposed to actually read it. Mom is constantly telling me, if you don't like it, don't read it for crying out loud. Take it back. But I really struggle with that because it feels like exactly the same kind of a principle of when we were growing up, whatever we put on our plate, we ate, period. 
So that's kind of how I feel about books too. But I have actually taken back a book or two or three. And I feel guilty the whole time. Anyway, the two really notable cases of horrible grades, both of them Ds, one was in typing. I had typing classes. They don't call it that anymore. Anyway, we had, did we have electric typewriters? I can't remember if we had electric typewriters or manual typewriters. But anyway, I was in a typing class because I wanted to learn how to type. And I was sitting on the back row with some friend. And I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Tom Schooley or somebody. It was some goof-off friend. And that's what we did for the first several weeks was goof off and the teacher was not happy he or she i can't even remember what it was now was especially not happy with me because as she told me a couple of times she knew me better than that and anyway then i got a d that woke me up really fast and the very next day after I saw that report card, I went up to her and asked her if she would move me to the front of the class right now, which she did. And then I got an A or a B or something. I had to get away from this kid. It's hard to believe now, but at one time I, not, not too much in my life, but Apparently, there were certain situations when I actually was a follower, when I was following the crowd. That went away. I give a darn about the crowd anymore. Never have for years. Anyway, the other rotten grade I got, which once again, I can't remember the situation here, probably goofing off again, was in trigonometry which is pretty dumb because I really liked math. In fact, when I, when I was in plain geometry, I never did have solid geometry. Couldn't work it in. It was too many classes I had to have, but in plain geometry, I really liked it. And didn't get that great of grades. I mean, I didn't get A's when it's later on, when I became a dad, I had a, uh, what's the word, a, a vendetta or something that our kids did well, as most of them remember, if they brought home an A-, minus, I was almost livid. And it was because I was such a nitwit when I was growing up. Anyway, in this plain geometry class, I was always helping kids. They were always coming to me for help on their classes. I wasn't the A student in the class, but I wasn't because I was goofing off somehow. I don't know. But I liked it. Really liked it. I liked algebra. Um, I also had one or two girlfriends the one I can actually remember was Cynthia Johnson. And I remember her. I think I actually went out with her even once or twice. Maybe, maybe I didn't. 
Yep. And Star Valley, as we went to, as we went out on the farm every year, why we planted a garden, my dad and us boys. And when we planted the peas, I planted them, I planted them in the configuration of a CJ. And actually, I think they grew. Anyway, I actually can't remember if I ever actually went out on a date with her or not. I think I did. But I really liked her. She lived in the Menden Ward, which was in our stake. Which Menden seemed like it was about 100 miles away. College Ward, Young Ward, these were all wards in our stake. But they were the country wards. We were country kids too, so I didn't care, but it did seem like a long ways away. But anyway, I went to a junior prom, which was the big prom in our high school. Now they call it the prom, or some schools call it the senior prom or something. Anyway, in our school, the junior prom was the big dance of the year, and I went to it one year. Took a girl, I think, from Skyview for crying out loud. Diane Grimshaw, I can still remember her name. That was the one and only date I went to her, went with her on. And I was terrified beyond belief. And as I remember, I spent a good two hours or three hours, several hours, the previous week, that was probably on a Friday night, I'm assuming it was, during the week, and I believe it was Aunt Vicky that sat and gave me, or I mean spent several hours with me, giving me dance lessons so that I didn't make a total fool of myself with Diane Grimshaw that I didn't know from Adam, but I'd met her somewhere. I don't know how I'd met her, I can't remember. Anyway, I also remember during that time that just weeks or maybe even days before my dad had purchased that brand new Mercury Montclair beautiful car, which to this day I would go buy one probably if I had a million dollars in the bank. I still think it was the most beautiful car I ever saw. And they, my parents, let me take that car on that date, which was an amazing show of trust given my emotional difficulties going through there. Of course, the girl didn't give a darn about the car. She didn't give a darn. But we went to the dance, and we danced a few dances. I mean, we actually spent time there, and I have no idea if she enjoyed it or not. I have no idea if I enjoyed it or not. I mostly went to show off the car, I'm pretty sure, which she didn't give a darn about. And that helped me understand a few things later on. And then someplace not very late in the night, probably 9.30 or 10 o'clock or something an hour or two after we'd been there, why we went home and that was the end of the dance. Um, I was, what's that? Well, I was just remembering it was during this period of time that I also had the paper outs, as we've already talked about. 
and I had quit the paper routes because they were driving me nuts. And then Solon Atkinson, the guy I had talked about before, who was the boss of the Tribune distribution office in Logan, called me and asked me if I would come back and run this one route because it was a car route. It required a driver's license because it was so long. And anyway, it was the one that went up around the island. That's where I met mom's aunt, Thelma and uncle Floyd, because they were one of the customers of that route. So I met them having no clue that that was the backyard I would get married in about however many years later. But anyway, that route, as it turns out, I came to find out, actually put 11 miles on the car, only it wasn't a car. I talked to my parents, so I was now probably a senior or coming up on a senior. Went downtown with my dad to First Security Bank, the manager of whom was in our ward, Brother Wayman, and borrowed the money and went down and bought a motorcycle. And all the days, and I mean the Honda 50s, that's 50 cc's, that is not a very big motorbike. Anyway, they were becoming a little bit popular in the area, and I was always envious of all that, of course. But when I bought this motorbike, I went to the Honda dealer, too. I did not buy a Honda 50. I bought the biggest bike they had. It was a Honda Dream 250. It was huge. It was also mighty expensive. I think it was $600. Your dad had this cosign? Mm-hmm. I guess they didn't trust a 16-year-old kid. I can't imagine why. Anyway, so I had payments on that motorbike, and I used it every day. And I started getting up at 3 o'clock again, and only this time, instead of my bicycle, I rode that motorcycle, and I figured out how to make saddlebags on it. I'm sure you could buy them, but I didn't buy anything I just figured it out so I could carry 80 or 90 uh, papers it was a big route most of them had 30 25 to 40 and it was a real hassle in the middle of the winter because back in those days we got winter and a motorcycle in winter time is not funny and uh, I don't know how I did that but I did it did you wear a helmet? No. Never even owned a helmet. Of course, I never went over six or eight miles an hour either because I was just going from one. What I needed was body armor, so when the motorcycle went out from under me, which I actually cannot quite remember it ever doing, I was pretty good at it. One time, I do remember on that paper route experience, also, one of my um, customers, besides the Salderns, was Sheriff Tom Rowley. 
who had a 120-pound German Shepherd dog as a pet. And one day, I was there in the middle of the day. I can only think of that maybe I went to collect. I mean, we had to get our own money, so we went to collect. Anyway, it was in the middle of the day. Anyway, and that dog had seen me multiple times. But today, it came out, and I was still on the motorbike, and it came out and came up to me and clamped his jaws right there across my leg and broke the skin. Now, that was a big dog. He could have done a lot more than break the skin. He could have torn my leg off, but he didn't. But he did make me bleed. Anyway, this was the sheriff. <laughs> was pretty funny anyway i didn't die of course in fact i just stood there stunned for a minute and the dog finally got through and left and i can't remember what happened there for the next few minutes but that night or something he and maybe his wife i can't remember came to our house and they were just mortified they were just their attitude was exactly right of course and it was also a little bit of a problem since he was the sheriff anyway it all worked out fine but that was a funny little experience <laughs> Hey, we're talking about my high school years. Uh, I and dad was talking about some of the dances and I did go to some of the dances. Um, I remember I had a really pretty yellow prom dress that I thought was lacy and beautiful. I really loved it. <clears throat> and at that time I was concert master of the orchestra, which sounds pretty snazzy, but there was only about 20 of us. So it wasn't that that great, but I, I was that. And um, during the high school years, the state of Idaho, the state of Utah, sorry, um, had what they called Allstate, and they would bring in orchestra members, band members, choir members, and in Salt Lake, and, and you would audition for those to see if you get to go. And then they would bring the, all these kids together and they'd perform in the tabernacle. Got to go every year I was in high school. Uh, and it was so awesome because we, we stayed overnight in a motel, which <clears throat> I, I don't remember ever doing that except then. And, and I just love this big group and we just sounded really good. We had some really good conductors that kind of raised our musicality. So I thought that was, anyway, that was really awesome. I really loved that. Um, and as far as graduation goes, uh, it was, yes. What was the audition process like? And then how did you get back and forth from Salt Lake? Uh, the audition process, they had, uh, the music they were playing, they picked passages that were hard that we had to learn. And then we would go and, and play those passages. Um, well, let's see. I think we sent a taped, did we send a taped audition? Uh, 
I think we had a taped audition, and then when we got there, we re we re auditioned again for our seat in the orchestra. So then, so then we would play passages out of um, out of the music we were playing. So uh, I also took in high school. I took cooking, and I and I took sewing. I did a complete jacket, tailored jacket. Um, that was plaid. I had to match the plaids and you did all this padding stuff in the collar and it was really complicated. I was really proud of myself. Um, and I basically made most of my high school clothes. So, um, so a lot of dresses and things for high school. Was that sewing class? It was a class at school? Yes. A class. And at how did you end up doing the jacket, what was the process there? Um, it was an advanced sewing, and so you had to pick something that was harder for you to do. So I felt like might as well make a jacket, so that's what I did. How did you get into advanced sewing? Uh, I don't know. I think it was the only sewing class I took. I think maybe they just based it on your experience, what you, you know. Because I'd, I'd been sewing a while, so. And your counselors knew that? I guess so. Anyway, it was kind of an advanced advanced sewing class. Um, the cooking class, I just remember we made raspberry cheesecake. And we used the juice from the raspberries as part of the liquid in the cheesecake. And the cheesecake turned out gray and looked really bad. It looked really awful. And we we had no idea it would do that. But anyway, we we were quite sad about that. Anyway, so uh, graduation was, uh, we just had a formal graduation with speakers just like you do. And then there was an all night party. Uh, I had a boyfriend who took me to the party we didn't stay very long it was kind of weird so what do you mean weird uh there were just a lot of couples making out and i it it kind of bothered us so we we didn't stay very long and so, the school sponsored this all night yeah school sponsored the party yeah and i had just planned on going to college uh, Utah State was right there. I could just live home with my parents and just go to Utah State. Uh, I got a scholarship. I don't remember if I've talked about this or not. Got an orchestra scholarship to USU. Uh, it paid, and they were on quarter schedule at that time. And tuition was $110 per quarter. And that paid my tuition. That was So that scholarship paid my tuition. So, um, and that summer I worked for my uncle and aunt at their grocery store at an island market. And it bought me all my books and some clothes and, and had spending money all through school. And I had just enough money to buy dad's ring the next spring. So how did you end up getting 
an orchestra scholarship? What was that process? I don't remember. I, I'm sure it was just through my teachers. I just Did probably apply. I'm just an application. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe, but I, I don't know. I had played in the youth symphony for about five years at that time. Been to all state. Maybe we just wrote all those things down on a form and, and I got it that way. So you were the first woman in your family to go to college, right? Um, Aunt Charlotte went for a little while, I believe. I I think she went for a little bit, but then she went to work and she had worked from the time she was 15. She had a job all the time. And I think she just went to work and then met Uncle Bob and got married. So what did your parents think of you going to college? Well, they were thrilled. They were extremely education-minded. They wanted us all to have a degree. And I had planned to be an elementary music teacher. That's what I wanted to do um, and teach kids music. And that was kind of my goal. I didn't see myself as like an orchestra conductor at all. I saw myself as a music for children. All three of my brothers graduated from USU. So it was, I don't know, it was just really handy. I stayed home. Um, and went to school and come home at night. And my mother packed my lunch. I can't believe this. I was 18. She would pack my lunch for me every day. And I'd go off to college and then come home. And my, we, we had one extra car. So mom had a car. And then we had a, a little older car. And my dad and I would take turns. Either I would take the car to school and, and I'd pick him from, off from work or he would pick me up from college. So we just took turns with that car. So what was your, so you talked about before how your three older siblings were quite a bit older than you and Uncle Randy. So as you're getting into those teenage years, what was that like? You and Uncle Randy, what was your relationship like uh, since you weren't really little kids anymore and then what was your relationship like with your older siblings well it was just randy and i during our teenage years the, the rest were gone and married and um so we we just stayed close we did things we played games and of course we had our own girlfriends and boyfriends for him and in the ward um but we just stayed quite close the whole time. Um, you talked about holidays as a child, you know, and you talked about you often got like a doll and um, for, at least for Christmas. But as you got older in those teenage years, what were your birthdays or holidays? How did they change? 
on your birthday, you got to pick what you had for dinner. That was a tradition, um, which I always loved. I thought that was so fun. We would, and we would just have that nice dinner and we'd get a few presents and there'd be a cake and that's what we did. We didn't do anything extravagant, uh, but it was great. It was your special day and it was fun. Holidays, we always went to Aunt Trudy's generally for Christmas Eve. I have talked about that, I think. Thanksgiving, we went to, the sisters would rotate. The three sisters would rotate. But Christmas Eve was nearly always at Aunt Trudy's. Maybe they would take turns, but it seemed mostly like it was at Aunt Trudy's house. She was kind of a party person, so was fun told you before that I babysat some children that was the first formal job I had other than babysitting so you had a nanny some kids, yeah right? yeah that's basically what it was they were rough it was hard <laughs> yeah but you didn't work no so what do you think the difference was between Aunt Charlotte and you and your families at that time? Or what was different? Um, it could be that my mother wasn't that well and she needed me to be home and take care of the house because I always cleaned the house on Saturdays and uh, that might have been it. But as she got older, she needed somebody to help with that. So... I don't, I don't, I didn't really feel any big need to work. class they both played violin one day he got up the nerve to try to reel her in he asked her would you like to see my fancy set of wheels she said yes and that was that soon they became something real then one night on a hill overlooking town he took her hand and said to her as he knelt upon the ground let's make some music all through our lives some simple music all through our lives there's a melody i feel when i'm with you so let's join together forever and she smiled and said yes let's do let's make some music all through our lives some simple music all through our lives there's a harmony i feel when i'm with you so let's join together forever, no matter what we do. 
Then they began to speculate what the future might hold. They said, maybe we'll have a lot of kids and raise them somewhere cold. Maybe they'll learn piano and we'll live on a farm. And we'll try to teach them right from wrong and keep them safe from harm. And maybe we'll have our share of trials, but maybe it'll all work out. Maybe we'll live in a few good small towns as we learn what life's about. And maybe we'll make music all through our lives. Some simple music all through our lives. There's a melody I feel when I'm with you. So let's join together forever, no matter what we do. Yes, let's make music all through our lives. Some simple music all through our lives. There's a harmony I feel when I'm with you. So let's join together forever, no matter what we do. The music of love, the music of hope, of faith and joy. Maybe we don't know everything, but maybe we'll just enjoy that we're making music all through our lives. Some simple music all through our lives and maybe in 50 years we'll be gathered near and far and our kids will honor us and give thanks to us for teaching them that life's not so hard with music all through our lives some simple music all through our lives and now that it's been 50 years we can see it all came true so glad i feel this melody and harmony whenever